I am Alana from Chicken House Press, and this is Writer's Chat. I got to sit down with Susan Cullen, author of The World Collective, which is book one in a planned three book series that I am so excited to be part of. We got to talk about all things to do with her process, with her path to publication, with um, what it feels like to open a proof copy, her experience with NaNoWriMo. So many great things were covered in this interview, and I can't wait to share it with you. Susan is an author from Ontario, and I was just thrilled that she reached out to me for support in getting her book out in the world, and it has been a joy to work on. It is a story I am so, so excited about, and I can't wait to introduce you to it and to her. So please enjoy my conversation with Susan Cullen. Okay, how are you? I'm good. (laughs) You ready for this? As ready as we'll ever be. We're just having a conversation. Like, I just want to talk about the book and your experience and your journey. All right. So, um, the World Collective. So, so excited about it. Can you just start by giving a little synopsis of the story or the world that you've built? Um, What is this book? Okay. Yeah. So, the World Collective is a story of um, what could possibly be world's future, where um, after nearly destroying the planet from poor choices, the world uh, came to their senses and created the World Collective to to right the mistakes, to correct environmental disaster, to give everyone equal footing and access to wealth and wealth, you know, health and jobs and um, make the world a great place to be. <laughs> and they did this through technology and order and reason and the code, which is a computer program that is on every individual and it tracks every detail of their life um, from giving them the perfect job for them um, and other details as well. And so our story though is about a 14 year old, Fry, who is activated to start her job four years early, which is a bit unexpected, and the questions that rise from that, and um, just her journey as she starts her adult life before she was ready to start her adult life, and then just also realizing that maybe this perfect world isn't as perfect as she thought it was, and that's kind of a synopsis of it. There's way more, but (laughs) that's the general, (laughs) general start, yeah. Perfect. Did you have a year in mind when you wrote this or is it just kind of arbitrarily in the future sometime? Yeah, arbitrarily in the okay. future. Kind of distant future. Cause in my mind too, um, we went really terrible and the World Collective was created to fix it. And mm-hmm. in when we pick up the story, the World Collective has existed for some time now. It's been around for a while and it's well established. And mm-hmm. um, from every, all appearances, everything's been great and everyone's been living these wonderful lives sort of mm-hmm. thing. So. Yeah, that's kind of, but not a, not a set, like 3,000, you know, like, no, nothing like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. World population. So the world feels small, but also vast. That doesn't make sense. But within this story, 
it, I wonder what is, what is the world population? Because people are being moved from one location to another. Does that mean that the population has shrunk significantly? Yeah. And that's something that kind of, as the story goes on, you it's revealed that how much that has been changing, Mm -hmm. but I would say even, even without the things that are the hiccups that are occurring, the world is a smaller population and much more centralized. So they've, the, the world collective has in order to make sure everything was equal for everyone, um, people have kind of been centralized in certain cities and things like that. And so they, they have a community that they can pretty much walk to everything they need from their job to um, everybody participates in growing food and, and mm-hmm. schooling, like everything's small in a sense that they can get to it without travel. Yeah. Um, but yet at the same time, uh, because of technology and things like that too, the world is very connected across the whole globe. They're utilizing the whole planet. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. For, for resources and things, things like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, there's a lot of science within the story, but not in a heavy scientific sense. It's more like, here's some cool technology that's just part of the infrastructure and the reality of the, the world that you've created. Did you put a lot of research into that? Was that, were those things like the pods um, that they, they're transported in? Are those things that just you pulled out of your imagination? Were they inspired by other, um, other readings that you've done? Or where did that come from? It's a mix of both. So some of it is imagining and just going, this is a cool idea. But a lot of it is actually inspired by real life things, you know, just listening to different texts that are being developed already. So for example, Rai has a prosthetic and in my mind, it's a very advanced lifelike prosthetic. Like she, she can control movement in her foot with her thoughts and things like that. And if you go looking at what is being developed right now, that's not that far-fetched in my mind it's maybe a bit more sophisticated and a bit more seamless than what we have now but the technology exists sort of thing already and so it was usually kind of taking something that we already have and if we kept tweaking it what could it look like so it's a lot of the ideas came from that I'll just say too I live (laughs) my husband is very tech advanced (laughs) and, Mm -hmm. and he can understand a lot of things that just fly right over my head even to like describe what his job is I'm like I fail at it every time because it just doesn't uh, correlate my 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 words basically but at the same time it's like a wealth of information just to kind of hear um for example like because the world is developed by this perfect code sort of thing coding and programming and stuff like that are very normal to him mm-hmm. to me it's a different language <laughs> but by living with him you can kind of pick up what sort of things are possible and and then you can run with these ideas. And a lot of times I'll bounce things off of him too and be like, how would this work? Or things that can go wrong or what sort of language would people use and things like that too. A lot of the stuff was imagined, but also based in things that are very possible mm-hmm. in our world. Yeah. Which makes it feel really believable. And it's easy to sink into that world because it's not so far out that <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that someone like me, who's not so scientifically minded, can embrace that whole experience without a lot of questions, just sink into the story and trust it. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Which is beautiful (laughs) um, because there's some like sci-fi things that I just can't, I just can't get into. I can't wrap my head around it. It's way too heady. So this is great. 
you you yeah. <laughs> a beautiful balance that way. <laughs> well, I think that's the thing about YA in particular as well that when you're writing to a YA audience, they don't want too much time explaining the, yes. the details of how this works, but they need to know that it's realistic at the same yes. time too. And so I think that's why, even if it's like fantasy and magic use, there needs to be um, like an order to it that mm. is, makes sense. But if you spend too much time explaining, then you lose them. Attention span. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. And I'm like, as a reader, I'm an adult, but I, yeah, I feel the same way. I'm like, yeah. I want enough that it's believable, but not so much that I'm spending a page learning the rules of something that sure. doesn't Just make a lot of sense to me. Do you read a lot of YA yourself? I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a 13 year old who is, I call her my book dragon because she devours books. And yeah. at one point I tried to keep up with her. And at this point I just go to her for recommendations. <laughs> Be like, what should I be reading? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I read a lot of YA and I like middle grade. Um, but then if I need a distraction, I always go for like the adult like psychological thrillers are my thing right. that it's like so different from what I write, but that's my escape book that I, yeah. that I go to. So yeah, a big variety. Wide spectrum. Do you have a favorite yeah. YA series? Oh, that's, that's a hard. hard question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think like a more current one that's really struck out is the, the Ray Bear series. Okay. Yeah. By, uh, yeah. Jordan Nifiku, if I said her last name, right. But yeah, I just, I really enjoyed that. And I'm kind of waiting for, you know, the final book to see how it all ends. But right. that that was definitely a more current one that sucked me in really. <laughs> Do you ever imagine yourself on the other side of this book being released and someone saying, Susan Cullen is my new favorite YA author? Like, have you allowed yourself to have those daydreams of your work is going to be out in the world? So <laughs> what what is that how does that feel <laughs> I I keep remember it just feels surreal it feels I I hope that some like you know that it really hits the spot for some people and that it becomes a, a popular read that they tell their friends about <laughs> and yeah, at the same time the it just one. yeah yeah at the same time too it's just like oh it just I admire so many authors that are already out there, right? So at the same time, it's hard to imagine myself at the same table as them. Yeah. So I'm getting there. I'm slowly getting there, but right. yeah, well, definitely imposter syndrome is a real, yes. real thing, right? <laughs> so that you need to battle through every day almost to just have that confidence to put yourself out yeah. there and to kind of embrace this part of the journey. Because mm-hmm. releasing a book is a vulnerable it can be very uncomfortable as well as being really exciting. Are you balancing those emotions? Okay. <laughs> I have my moment. It's funny because it's easier to think of strangers reading it, like kids far away from me yeah. than it is to think of people near and dear and close. I think one, because their opinion really matters, but then two, they're also close and I can see their opinion. Yeah. <laughs> sort of thing. My kids were like, oh, we should take this to school. And I, maybe my teacher could do it as a read aloud. And that just like terrified me. Cause I'm like, oh, they walk by my house to students, right? I think it will be a process to sure. keep working through, but <laughs> at the same time, the excitement and just the you know, this was a dream for a long time. Mm-hmm. So to see it actually become a reality is just amazing. <laughs> so when when did this start? Was this as a child? I I was always storytelling, mm-hmm. but I didn't think I could be an author. I didn't think it was 
for me sort of thing, mostly because of that imposter syndrome. And I was the child who, you know, was terrible at spelling and just nothing sunk in and, and, you know, showing our age. It's like, we didn't, you know, there wasn't technology then to help assist us. So it was all very obvious when we made a mistake. I didn't think it was for me for a long time. And it wasn't until as an adult and starting to write stories again and uh, just get more educated about the process even of writing a novel and putting it out in the world that, uh, yeah, it took a long time before I thought maybe that could be for me. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of people, like when I think about acknowledgements in the back of the book, I was like, oh, there's so many other people <laughs> I should be acknowledging people who definitely saw the potential in me before I could see it in myself mm-hmm. and who were always like, oh, you, like this is something I think you'd really enjoy and I think you'd be good at. And mm-hmm. I, it, I took me a long time to be convinced. <laughs> so I'm grateful for all those people who saw that. You talked about um, writing stories is the world collective your first novel or do you have a drawer full of manuscripts? I, I have, novel? I have others. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote, I guess, two complete ones before I started the world collective. I'm a huge NaNoWriMo supporter just because it's insane. So NaNoWriMo is when you write 50,000 words in the month of November, which is just a ridiculous thing to attempt when you live a life of any, any sort of life, right? I tried, I think it was like 2009 was the first time I attempted it. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved it. Like I loved having that community, but also just kind of that push to like make you sit down and write every day and work on something. And even if it's just dumpster fire, like just to put something on the page and not spend too much time overanalyzing and Mm. keep writing and keep going. And so, yeah, I did that way back in 2009 and came up with something that I was actually decently proud of. The ending is terrible because by the time I reached the end of the month, I was just like, just want to be done. Yeah. But it was more, it showed me that it was possible that Mm -hmm. I could actually do this huge thing and kind of lit that fire. It was also around the time that I had babies and small children. And so it wasn't very practical to do it often. (laughs) So so in between then um, and over the next couple of years, uh, yeah, things were much slower. But I did write another one, uh, another novel, which was actually a woman's fiction, like totally different than the World Collective. And I thought maybe that was one that I was going to try to take a bit farther and be published and, and actually spent a lot of time editing and polishing and, and even sent it out to a couple of beta readers. But as time went on, I just realized that it wasn't, it wasn't the right story to put out in the world, which was hard because I put a lot of work in it, like yeah. years of work yeah. in it. And, uh, but yeah that realization that nope this wasn't this wasn't the story and maybe it was just a really good learning opportunity of the the steps beyond just writing a first draft Mm -hmm. of doing the work so the world collective was my I think it was 2018 nano project Mm -hmm. that month I wrote the first 50,000 words the start of it and just really was enjoying the story and was enjoying Rye as my my main character and so actually finished it pretty quickly after, which sometimes those who do nano will know that you can write the 50,000 words and never go back to it. You'll use it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just disappears. Some momentum disappears. But no, with, with the World Collective, I, yeah, I was kind of hooked in the story and the world as I was building it and so finished it. And 
And then, yeah, kept going back to it and polishing it. I actually entered it in the Write Mentor program, which is based out of UK. And they have like a Twitter pitch. This is a couple of years ago. I think it might have changed how they do it right now. But um, you could submit if you were, you know, had a first draft and were trying to hit this world of being published and what you need to do. And they pair you with a mentor, somebody who has published a novel and has some experience Mm -hmm. and you work for a couple of months going back and forth over first chapters, especially, and doing that query letter Mm -hmm. and polishing that up. And then, uh, then there's kind of like a showcase at the end. Nothing came from the showcase and things like that, but the experience of working with a mentor and Mm -hmm. digging in about what is needed to approach the world of publishing Mm -hmm. definitely also just kind of gave me that push to just keep going with the story. It just kind of kept going from there. I just, you know, 2018, a little while ago, but I just didn't give up. I just kept working on it and kept writing more to the story that was going to come later. And and yeah, until finally I connected with you. (laughs) Are you still in touch with the mentor? Yes, I am. And it's it's funny because she has, so her name's Melissa Webler. So she's written YA as well. So we connect on the, the genre we write, but she actually has another book coming out soon. And it's with a publisher in the UK that also has Chicken House in the name. Like oh, Chicken no House. way. Chicken House. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And she, we were just kind of like, out of all the names, it doesn't make any sense that, you know, that so where does this idea come from? But yeah. yeah. I hadn't discovered the Chicken House in the UK until after I had named mine and like <laughs> registered and everything. And I was like, oh, shoot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's fine. We're oh, separated yeah, by yeah. an ocean and yes. <laughs> doing much different work. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that is very funny. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that we are already connected and then, yeah. and then we're both like, oh, we're both with the chicken house. This is really strange, but <laughs> also great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really interesting. Where did Rye come from? Your main character? Did Was she pulled um, from someone in your life? Was she just manifested? <laughs> Um, as you sat down to do nano, did you have her before? Yeah, she kind of appeared. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's the best way to put it. She she does remind me of people I know. And it's more like certain elements, like her curls. There was this young lady in my church who had just these crazy, beautiful curls mm. sort of thing. And not the same personality, but like that. that's just, you know, when I think of Rice hair, I think of this, this individual. And, and actually, she changed a lot between uh, my first drafts and my later drafts, too. At first, when I wrote her, she was just too perfect mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and, and I was like that's that's boring yeah. <laughs> it's not very exciting as I just kept getting to know her more just to realize that her impulsiveness and her competitive nature and and uh, those elements that come up I also just really connect because I think everybody who writes there's always a bit of themselves in their characters too mm-hmm. and uh with Rai it's definitely just that fierce love she has for for her family and her people and I'm like that's something that's very much part of my personality and so writing that side of her is just like it it just makes really sense. natural yeah, yeah it's really natural yeah. but yeah and then it was interesting too to climb back into that like 14 year old brain where you just jump to conclusions and you feel things like big big feelings sort of thing too so kind of fun to try to to climb back into that that personality and the, the traits that go with it right One of the things I found really interesting in um, the world of the World Collective is how 
most people didn't maintain relationships with their family, that the family unit didn't have the same value that we try and put on it now. What was your motivation there? Where, where did that come from? So that was me thinking through how this world would work in a practical way. If things are determined more by a computer code, deciding what job you do or where you're going to live in the world, it would just really impact family ties. The World Collective is very much a, everything is thought out. It's not really left up to chance. And mm-hmm. so in my mind, at some point in their history, they would have realized that having these close families makes moving across the globe really hard on individuals. And so to me, it just made sense that they would try to structure things differently so that those breaks would be easier and not having close family ties would be one. So children grow up in a dorm with peers their own age and just visit their family on family days. So it wasn't that they were denied family, but there wasn't the emphasis placed on those relationships. Mm -hmm. So it just would change how how things move forward. And then Rye, of course, is a bit of an exemption because which we haven't talked about too much, but um, Rye experienced something really traumatic when she was six in that um, a terrorist attack basically crashed the pods that her and her doormates were in. And she was the only one out of her dorm to survive, which would be huge because that would have been her family and they disappeared Mm -hmm. through this accident. So then her actual genetic family filled that gap in her life. And so she places really strong ties with them because they, they matter a lot in, in her world. So it changes how she looks at everything else a bit compared to how everybody else is looking at the world. Right. And it makes her dynamic different than everyone else, right? Like how, yeah. And they don't quite get her because they don't have the same ties to their family. They don't quite understand why yeah. she's why she's so attached. Yeah. And I was going to say her brother um, and those who grew up with her know her a bit better because they got to experience that through her and with her. Um, But yeah, other people outside of her, like Aaliyah, just don't get it. Like it just doesn't make any sense to them at all. So yeah. Yeah. Um, Aaliyah (laughs) is quite a dynamic character, brings a lot of fun, relatable teenage tension which I think is is so great because that's really, that's going to really help people connect because we all knew an Aaliyah. So I assume that you had one in your life <laughs> and you pulled from, from memories of, you know, kind mm-hmm. of that, that mean girl, popular girl, the, the one that's prettier and smarter and better and all, yeah. all the things, yeah. the one that you hate, but you want to be, yeah. which is kind yeah. of just a universal yeah. thing, right? Yeah. And it's so much fun too, because I I had a plot and before I started this novel and I had some characters blocked out who, you know, I knew what they were like and their motivations. And uh, I had not thought of Aaliyah. Like she wasn't there at first um, when I was plotting, but when I started writing uh, and Rye and her best friend, Lauren, sit down in class, Aaliyah basically flounced in and Mm. sat down in front of them. Like one day I'm just writing and she just just appeared. She was just there sort of thing. And her whole personality existed from that moment on. So she's one of my favorites just because of the way she flounced into the story and just was like, I am here now and I'm making my presence known. And oh yeah, you're not going to forget her. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So talking about things disappearing in your story, I'm a real believer in the magic of writing, how if you open yourself up to the story, the story will 
basically write itself. If you, if you show up, the story will kind of come through you. It will, it'll just happen. Did you, obviously you experienced some of that. Did you find that that was a real part of your journey or did you fight at any point? (laughs) No, I think, uh, that it's like magic. Like yeah. when that happens and it is like my favorite part of the writing process is yeah. when that magic happens. People talk about the plotter and the pantster and yeah. I'm somewhere in the middle. I, I need to have a general idea of point A to point B and how might I get there, yeah. but I'm definitely not to the point where every chapter and scene is blocked out. It's yeah. more, I like to leave space for the characters to, mm-hmm. to assert their will a little bit yeah. <laughs> and see where it's going to go and things like that. And so, yeah, the things that surprise you and and sometimes yeah sometimes they'll surprise you I was actually in the next book but there was a scene though where I was like oh, this is what I need to happen and I'm going to sit down and write it and I remember sitting down to write it and I finished and I looked at the scene and I was like it did not did not happen the way I was supposed to <laughs> I needed Rye to do a certain thing which was a bit more aggressive and instead she was too nice again and, um, uh, <laughs> and I was just like you weren't supposed to do that <laughs> so um I had to go back and change that a bit yeah. But it's funny how sometimes the story will just grow its own legs and mm-hmm. and, uh, and take you different directions. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like Nano supports that kind of writing because because you have to remove everything and just mm-hmm. just tell a story? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's why for some people Nano is not mm-hmm. it's not going to work for everybody, and yeah. and I know that. But yeah, for myself, it's kind of that the you're sitting down to write every day, mm-hmm. and the goal with nano isn't to write a polished story because that's not going to happen, yeah. <laughs> but it's to get the words down. There's a bit of that freedom there to just, to just go. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, yeah, the things surprise you or you come up with something you weren't sure you're, or a character walks into the story you didn't plan on. And yeah. those are the bits that later, when you go back to do the, the harder work, <laughs> yes. you, you find all these little pieces that can really bounce the story forward in an exciting mm-hmm. way. So yeah, I think for myself anyway, I enjoy it. It's stressful, but I enjoy it. <laughs> Did you find that there were days where when you first sat down, you had no idea what was going on? You didn't know what they were like, I have nothing to say today. But <laughs> yeah. because, because you showed up, you put your butt in the chair. Mm-hmm. Happens. Yeah. These aren't my first books that I've worked on. Now that I've done it a couple of times too, you start to learn where can you turn. So like the Save the Cat is, is a popular the Save the Cat writes a novel. There's kind of these beats that you want to have in, in a story. And so sometimes it's just kind of, if I'm stuck, it's kind of going, okay, well, whereabouts am I in, in the plot? What sort of elements should happen? And using that as a jumping board. Actually, when I was writing The World Collective, I was using this website called The Better Novel Project. Oh, I should have looked up what her name is. I, I'm not sure that she's still doing it, but at that point in time, she was analyzing popular novels like mm-hmm. Harry Potter and The Hunger Games and Divergent and the, the bit, they were the big, the big ones way. at the time yeah. she was writing the blog and just kind of going what's similar about each of these things you find the things that are similar so sometimes I would kind of go to hers and be like oh there needs to be like a confrontation with a bully or right. there's something special where they have to dress up to do something like some things that kind of go oh yeah that's that's something I can put in my novel and yeah go from there. It's that winning recipe. Yes. To, to a good book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the elements that exist in novels that we like. And once you read a bit more about the Save the Cat and things like this, you do start to go, oh, like this, this is there. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like Save the Cat was written for, for screenplays too. So my kids have kind of peaked in the book and now we watch movies and you go, oh, this is the dark night of the soul moment. This is the, oh, you know, so the tower surprise. And you start to recognize them in movies and go, yeah, the movies we like have these points and these beats in the yeah. movie and they kind of happen around the same time in every movie. And yeah, there's a bit of a recipe to mm-hmm. stories that work. And not that you want to follow you know, you don't want to be too predictable. Right. There's you don't want to surprise of, people. Yes. Yeah. But I do think that because as consumers of movies and books and things like that, we do kind of have expectations for how we see yeah. the story going. And so it's kind of recognizing that we all have those expectations. And so it's kind of meeting that so that people feel satisfied when they reach the end. So, right. yeah. Does satisfied mean a happy ending? No, (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so. I know some people would disagree. Uh, You know, if it doesn't have a happy ending, it's a terrible story. (laughs) But I, I think uh, a satisfying ending is where questions are answered or, or there's been a lot of growth in the character or, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's other ways to have a satisfying ending then everything is perfect and they live happily ever after. Sometimes that's not satisfying because the world doesn't always work that way. Yeah, I can't really believe <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It's, sometimes it's not believable. So I feel like a believable ending is more satisfying. Yeah. The World Collective is a planned three-book series. Do you know where it's ending up or are you still letting the story guide you? And don't, don't give anything away, but... <laughs> It's, it's interesting because, so I have about half of a draft for the final book. I think this November, I'm going to use Nano to just yeah. jump back in and right. yeah, because it's a good time. I have these general ideas of major things that I know are going to happen and um, major plot points that I've known since the beginning that this will be part of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as for like the, the very end, you know, those final words, I'm not, not a hundred percent sure. There's a few things where I'm like, there's some things that I know for sure, but there's others that I'm just like, I, I don't know. <laughs> We're going to see when I get there, what happens. And then maybe I'll need to revisit it in the, the editing stages, mm-hmm. but there's definitely going to be some highs and some, some happy moments because, because mm-hmm. I want that. <laughs> well, after um, the, but, the journey of three books, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think that it will be mixed with a bit of sorrow too. Mm-hmm. I think that there will be some healing that will have to happen for for Ryan and the people in her life too. So mm-hmm. yeah, it won't be all a bed of roses. There'll be, there'll be a bit to work through too. Yeah. And yeah. is she aging up through the books or is everything happening as a 14 year old? She does age up a bit, but not, not huge jumps. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. all happening pretty close together. So mm-hmm. I would say within like the span of like a year and a half, it's kind of the the general timeline of the three books yeah Mm -hmm. sort of this turning point in the the world collective's history yeah yeah good Mm -hmm. what was your journey to signing a contract like so I know when you when you first reached out to me you were kind of timid and a family member had pushed you to do this so had you submitted anywhere else Um, Had you gone through a long query process or an agent search? What, what happened before you came to me? So um, like I said, I did the the right mentor program, which definitely set you up for querying agents and things like that. Like I said, they had a showcase at the end. And so, yeah, definitely. I kind of took the experience and the, the knowledge I had and I had 
a polished query letter, which then of course, if anybody's done this before, you know that it does change because you go, oh, I could make it a bit better. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's multiple versions of your query letter. <laughs> so I did submit it. Oh, I, I couldn't tell you how. I, I, it was a significant amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying and not all negative. Like it wasn't, you know, some people it's just an instant no, but I definitely got positive feedback too, which was encouraging the, you know, this is a really good story or I loved your characters, but not a right fit for me. It was a common thing, which I think anybody who has tried to get published has also experienced that, which is both this, it's such a mix of emotions because you're like, oh, they enjoyed it, but they said no. <laughs> it's kind of like, uh. and so you can kind of, only go through that so many times before you really start to question yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I guess by the point I came to you, I'd I'd heard back from a few different places and some were more, oh, I'm trying to think of the name of the one, but it was a smaller publisher as well. They actually provided a fair amount of feedback, mm -hmm. which sometimes, you know, you just get that great story, but didn't yeah. work. But this one actually kind of said, great story, but we noticed XYZ sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And which was great though, because at that point, then I decided, okay, maybe I need to step back and go back to my draft and really look at it again, even though I had many times, like sure. there were many versions. And so that at that point, I kind of was like, okay, I'm not going to query anyone anymore. I'm just going to work on the draft again, because I still felt like at the heart that that there was a story here that I was proud of, and mm -hmm. I wasn't ready to give up on it yet. So I kind of it to pieces and like the beginning especially rewrote the beginning and I still have that earlier version because I really like the, the earlier version has her mom present sort of thing oh, as, okay. as opposed to a memory yes. and uh, it was really hard to, to cut that darling scene away it's what I needed to do to yeah. change the pace of the story and stuff like that it was just too long of a beginning but yeah starting there and then it has ripple effects though when mm -hmm. you change one thing it changes the whole story yeah, absolutely um yeah, you were looking into starting your publishing side. And, and uh, so my sister-in-law was kind of like, hey, have you ever thought about talking to Alana? And I was kind of going, well, you know, like at that point too, I like, meanwhile, I've torn up the story and it's in pieces and kind of going, I don't really know if I have enough to show, but this is a different connection. And the fact that you're Canadian, like local, as opposed to some someone down in the States who sure. I never would talk to sort mm -hmm. of thing. I was like, well, why not? I might as well just, you know, put it out. Oh, there. It <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I think is part of if you want to be published, you kind of have to put yourself out right. there, even yeah. if it doesn't work, right? Which yeah, the previous experiences had kind of toughened me up a little bit, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> might as well do it again. <laughs> so yeah, so when I first reached out to you, the World Collective was still a bit rough because mm -hmm. I was doing this major reworking of the story. But yeah, you had great feedback. <laughs> so that was the motivation I needed to get back in there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, I'm so, I'm so glad you did because it ended up being such a strong, really exciting story that I'm really proud to be able to be part of. So thank you for taking a <laughs> chance one more time. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Can you talk about the experience of actually getting your proof? Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, that was, I have it at the tip and you're going to laugh because it's like, it's, it's full of, frame, yeah. <laughs> which is me going through like the, the lines I like and things like that. And the, the little, you know, the silly mistakes that you're yeah. like, how many times have we read this and we never noticed? Yeah. 
yeah, waiting for the box to arrive. I was definitely checking the mail. (laughs) And then it, uh, it showed up just around the time the kids were leaving for school. Mm -hmm. So the oldest had already left and the youngest hadn't, and she opened the door and the box was there. So they like came in that time sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And I had promised that I wouldn't open the, like if it came during the school day that I would wait for them to come home. Then as you know, this is like first thing in the morning and I'm going to have to wait all day. Yeah. <laughs> I was a bit regretting that promise, but at the same time, I really wanted them to be here. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. when they got home, then we set up a table in front of the bookshelf because I feel like you got to be in front of the bookshelf. Oh yeah. It's a great background. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so my oldest was the one manning the camera and she was obviously excited to see the book too, because I get it out of the box and the video pretty much ends right there. <laughs> <laughs> she wanted to look at it too sort of thing so yeah. she had to put her camera down so that she could touch it and feel it as well uh-huh. and then once that initial like oh my goodness it's here then she picked the camera back up to go back to recording so I kind of laughed <laughs> you missed a bit of that yeah. but I'm I'm not really that upset we got to share no, it together so, yeah. yeah she is a critic at the mm-hmm. one hand she's a very intelligent reader so it's intimidating to to hand her a novel especially yeah. something and I think too when it's your own kids mm-hmm. they're always going to be more blunt with you than they would with anybody else so mm-hmm. it doesn't matter that I'm an author I'm still mom so. Yes. Yeah. so if there's anything she thinks is like no she's she's definitely going <laughs> to point it out that's okay she's 13 she's kind of the age the book is for and if she's connecting with it then I know I've done a good job and yeah and she so. has read the full manuscript she it's funny she's read an earlier version of it before yeah. I did the major edits I've offered to let her read it but she's waiting she's she's not even reading the proof she wants to wait until it's the, um, the final version to yeah. read it again yeah. um but she knows the story inside mm-hmm. and out because definitely a sounding board yeah. <laughs> since she's a big reader of course so you know she's the one where when I did come up with plot points and problems and stuff like that or is this believable she's mm-hmm. definitely a person I go to and kind of bounce ideas off of and uh, so she knows she knows the whole thing she just yeah. hasn't sat down to read it again since it's become a book so, yeah she's a good but, person to have in your corner yeah yeah and she that's where I'm like the part that we were talking about, does it feel real? And, and that that's one of the surreal things is that she talked about the fact that my mom is an author. My mom has written a book to wow. her friends and to yeah. other readers that she knows. And that just, it feels amazing, like to have her support. As, right. as anybody who has a, you know, a 13 year old, mm-hmm. they're not always supportive of the parents, yes, right? <laughs> So it's it's great that, mm-hmm. that she's excited about it too. So And she'll remember probably 2018 pieces of that November when yep. you were like, nope, I'm writing. Like I'm into something. And actually, so. Yeah. Yeah. And the, both my children have attempted the, the young writers program of NANA oh, really? where they've set their own goals in the yeah. past couple of years and, and tried to write. And I definitely think that is, you know, they've seen by example of I'm carving out some time and I'm going to sit down and do this. And yeah. so then they do the same. Yeah. Setting those goals and being like, I'm going to try this, even if it's really yeah. hard. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, that's great. That's exciting. And if if they are avid readers, it's it's so natural to move into the storytelling, right? It's like it's part of you. You're you've been yeah. training training from birth. If books yeah. are part of your life, yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Yeah, it can just be fun. So the avid reader, I can see her writing in the future, and she kind of goes back and forth about whether she wants to or not. But 
she definitely has that brain of developing worlds and characters and things like that. And wow. she'll just sit and stare at the window and it's that she's building this elaborate world. Wow. But I, I also love the fact that for both of them too, so much of it is, I guess you'd call it like that fan fiction I where yeah. they, mm-hmm. it, they're starting with something they love, whether yeah. it's, you know, the Harry Potter universe or mm-hmm. um, they like Shadow and Bone a lot. So the Grisha universe. And just kind of going, oh, I like those ideas and I'm making them my own. And mm-hmm. sometimes people will kind of look down on that, but I think there's so much like that's a great fun. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And if you love a story, why not climb into it in your imagination and, and just see, you know, what would I be like in that situation? Sure. When you're reading, that's what you're doing. So why not mm-hmm. take it a step farther and build something new? Yeah, it's a great practice. Yeah. Do you have plans for a lunch party in the works? Yeah, I have ideas. (laughs) So my sister-in-law makes amazing cookies too. And I can like, oh, once I kind of have a better idea of a date, I need to block her out and be like, can you make cookies with the logo? Because she was part of- Really instrumental in that. Yes. So she was very, and uh, I could just, I can see it on a cookie Mm -hmm. like to me. So I'm like, my launch party needs to have cookies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We have a, a local bookstore in town called Turns and Tales. Mm-hmm. And they are amazing at supporting local authors. So they generally have a local author there like every Saturday doing, wow. you know, just what they're at table or just kind of yeah. there. So they're definitely on my radar. That's I know great. that they would be open to doing something. So mm-hmm. whether it's a launch or or a bit later and like closer mm-hmm. to Christmas or something, I know that I definitely will be there at some point yeah. in time. It's wonderful when people support local authors. and But also too, I love, the return side of being able to support a local bookstore too, mm-hmm. because so much is online now. And yes. um, so to have the brick and mortar walk in and flip pages and sell yeah. the books sort of we thing is awesome. Alive. I, yeah. And I'm definitely like, I want to keep those alive. So mm-hmm. for sure. For sure. Yeah. I hope people read the book <laughs> and I hope they fall in love with, with Rye and, and uh, her fierce love and her impulsive nature and, that they can enjoy the story and where it goes and the twists and turns. And, and it's scary to put it out there in the world, but I don't know. I keep reminding myself that there's so many books and yeah, mm-hmm. they don't all have to hit home for every reader, but yeah. Right. And really the ultimate victory is just that you have written a whole book and, <laughs> and it's available, like it it's yeah. out there. Yeah. So if you can find satisfaction and pride, just, in that accomplishment, really, I think the rest is going to follow, but that's kind of the great big gold medal right there is just like, who writes a book? That's crazy, (laughs) right? Like you have built a whole world. So be proud. (laughs) I'm excited to get it out there. I'm excited to get your notes so we can Mm -hmm. get it as perfect as we can. That's definitely Mm -hmm. a big goal. Um, for lunch. So I was trying to have all the notes done. So I, cause I'm like, Oh, I want to pull the tabs back out <laughs> so, that, so that it's not, you know, so, uh, but that's important. It's like a feathered bird or something. Yeah. Like, know that part of the process, right? Because just because yeah. it's printed doesn't mean yeah. like we're not done yet. It's just, it's no, just yeah. one part of the process. And it really yeah. is my favorite part. Like I love holding the book in my hand yes. and reading it like a reader. Um, hmm. And even making the yeah. little marks is satisfying. Like, oh, I'm going to make it even yeah. better. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, it is definitely different to read it in 
book form. Like that's a, I can't get over the, you know, cause my eyes have been on this, like since 2018, like yeah. I, I've read it a lot sort of thing. New things and, pop up. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's funny too, just kind of going, Oh, like even just, yeah, the wording of something and you go, I've definitely worked at the wording of this hundreds of times before, but all of a sudden now it's so obvious that all I need to do is like do this and it will sound so much better. Like, yeah, yeah not like a huge change even, but just like a minor change. And you're like, oh, this will be just that much more much natural. Yeah. 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 It's such yeah. an important part of the process. Mm -hmm. I think my favorite part of reading it is there are certain scenes that I've always loved, like right from the beginning and all the versions and they've stayed. Some of them, it's remarkable how much has they've stayed so similar to the first mm -hmm. draft and how just the feel like they just give you good feelings yeah. <laughs> sort of thing. And I just love the fact that even though I've read it so many times and I came across those, those scenes again, and it's, it's the same feeling. Like I've enjoyed it just as much as when I wrote it down. And I think that's gotta be one of the best feelings yeah. ever. It's <laughs> such a good feeling. Yeah. Like going, I still love this scene. I still love this moment between Dar and Ryer. Like, you're just like, yeah. Those are just that affirmation you need that you actually yeah. love your own story. Like that's, that's a yeah. big thing. Yeah. yeah. It's huge. It's yeah. really good. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being willing <laughs> to sit down <laughs> and talk about your book. Like I said, I'm very excited to get it out there and get people reading it and. Oh, stretch. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your day. You too. <laughs> okay. See ya. Go to chickenhousepress.ca slash bookstore to order a paperback or hardcover copy of this incredible book.